You're listening to Patagonia Stories. My name is Eric Knoll, and today I'm reading my story, The 150-Mile Test. I wanted to share some insights from my time on trail in northern Sweden. It's not every day you get to roam above the Arctic Circle while experiencing 24 hours of daylight. And coming from California, the weather couldn't have been more different. The trip reminded me of the importance of building and field testing at the core of what we do here at Patagonia. That's truly where all the magic happens. My partner Danny and I stopped for lunch, half a day and 10 miles into the Swedish backcountry. Our plan was to make it to the next hut, 13 miles away by five o'clock to catch the local ferry. Optimism and fresh legs carried us swiftly down the trail, through forested single tracks, across a wide open tundra, and then up the flanks of our first big summit. We peered down through thick clouds, barely able to make out the shining silver of Lake Latour down below. Several hours later, we arrived at its shores, 30 minutes too late. There was a rowboat tied up, but we'd heard that it was bad karma to leave a shoreline boatless. We'd have to row across, grab a second boat, row both boats back to return the first boat, and then row back across again. We had already run 23 steep, rainy, buggy miles that day. Rowing miles across a white-capped lake was simply not in the cards. Silently, we looked at each other and headed for the emergency shelter perched at the water's edge. It was just big enough for us to stretch out and hang our soaking clothes to dry. Inside, there was a single yoga mat, which we rolled out on the floor in lure of the sleeping pads we neglected to bring. As the wind picked up and the sky darkened, we huddled in our thinned-down liner bags, packed just in case, and gazed across the lake at the steam rising from the hut where we'd intended to stay that night. This was not how our journey on the Kungsleden was supposed to begin. Or maybe it was exactly how it was supposed to begin. The Kungsleden, or King's Trail, runs through Sweden from Hemavon to Abisko. Almost 300 miles of alpine tundra laced with hulking peaks, birch forest, streams, tarns, and huts. I was here for vacation, but I'm an R&D designer, which means every trip to the mountains is also an opportunity to experiment. And it just so happened that this trail offered the perfect mix of conditions for putting a new running pack through the ringer. Wet and quickly changing weather, plenty of mileage, big climbs, and surprisingly runnable trails. Our plan was to run the northern 150 miles of the route over a course of six days. We'd cover roughly 25 miles and 2,000 feet of elevation gain each day, leapfrogging huts where we'd have a communal kitchen, a sauna, and a bunk bed waiting for us each evening. So when we found ourselves stranded on the first night, I recognized the irony. From a vacation standpoint, this sucked. From a testing standpoint, it was exactly what I'd come here for. When people ask me what I do for work, I always tell them I do arts and crafts. After all, that's really what research and design boils down to. Identifying what doesn't exist and then making it. Sometimes athletes ask for things and that becomes the impetus for a project. Sometimes a project starts from a personal experience That push and pull between athletes and designer is essential. You have to have athletes that are actively engaged in the process of product creation, but you also have to have your own perspective, your own point of view, to be able to push the conversations even further. This is how my running pack journey began in the first place. In 2019, I got the opportunity to work with trail running ambassadors Claire Gallagher and Luke Nelson on the High Endurance Kit, a collection of technical high mountain trail running gear and through that, developed a relationship with Luke. Over the years that followed, he encouraged me to explore my own boundaries on trail, 
I got interested in adventure running and decided I wanted to build something that would help me blur the lines between running and alpine scrambling. So I started tinkering, expanding the volume of our existing running vests, figuring out how to design the shape and pocket so that they'd hold more gear without bouncing, adding attachment points for trekking poles and ice tools. Once I had an idea and some rough protos, I pulled in Luke because he's at the forefront of that space. Two years of testing and iterating followed. In 2022, the Slope Runner Exploration Pack came into the world. But as it is so often in the case in R&D, endings are an illusion. Everything is an evolution. Right around the time that the Exploration Pack was wrapping up, some friends and I went on a five-day running trip on the John Muir Trail. We ran semi-supported, meaning that we only carried one to two days worth of food and gear and relied on the crew support and resupply boxes that we'd stash along the route. Unexpected wildfires turned us back, but the trip sparked an idea. I wanted to come back fully unsupported, carrying everything I needed for the route. I returned to the ideation phase, this time to build an entirely new overnight run kit, starting with the pack. The Slope Runner Exploration Pack was great for single big days, but it didn't have the shape or details I wanted for multi-day unsupported runs. Its features were more oriented toward a running, climbing crossover rather than a running, fast-packing crossover. I wanted to figure out what's the limit how much you can run with and still feel free in the mountains. How many days can you run unsupported? This was all lingering in my mind. I knew what the pack needed to do. I knew I wanted something around 20 liters, enough to fit two to three days of food, plus an ultralight bivy kit. I knew I wanted a wide top opening to make it easier to pack and unpack my kit at the beginning and the end of a long day. I knew I wanted it to be stripped back with only essential pockets or features. The inside of the pack would be minimal with small stuff sacks to keep everything organized. The real magic was in the expandable exterior pocket for quick access, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. I tend to let that come to fruition along the way, through the iterations. The process of building a prototype, trying it, rebuilding it, and then trying it again. I don't draw pictures anymore. I started with shape, features, and function, building the product to fit what I need and let the looks emerge naturally from the process over time. When I start making a prototype pack, it's always a muslin build, plain cotton fabric, no features, no anything. At this stage, you're just trying to figure out the shape and dial in how the pack rides. You want it to sit high enough on your back so it won't hinder the range of motion and distribute the load evenly. Then it's time to build a version in more technical materials. In this case, I built a working prototype based on the chassis of the existing slope runner pack. I added a bit more volume up top and then stripped away features and made the whole pack body a single tube. I also wanted to create an outer pocket that could expand or contract because on multi-day trips, your load is constantly changing as you eat food and shed layers. This way, you could add more gear to the outside of the pack without changing how it fits while running. Then came the refinement. Sure, I could have added a pocket made of mesh, but I wanted a challenge. Could I do it out of a more durable woven material? What kind of fabric would I need? And how could I make it expand? More importantly, how would I tweak the design for women? Women's packs are typically smaller to fit smaller bodies, but need to hold the same amount of gear. I need to change the shape or materialization of the outer pocket to maintain cargo capacity within a smaller footprint. I did a lot of quick studies, laser cutting, and just tearing things up to see how different fabrics worked. In total, I made three full builds of the pack, plus five versions of the outer pocket. I could have kept iterating on the pack endlessly. Since we don't have firm timelines in the R&D world, I use trips as deadlines. In this case, a friend's wedding in Sweden. 
For years, Luke has been telling me I had to check out a route in the Swedish Alpine called the Kungsleden. A well-appointed hut system meant the route was far from unsupported, but its remoteness and fickle weather were perfect testing ground. On July 13th, Danny and I left our luggage behind at a hotel in Stockholm. We set off on a 24-hour train ride with our newly constructed running packs stuffed with the gear we needed to get us through 150 miles on the trail. I remember being nervous when we started. Neither of us knew what we were getting into. As it turns out, the excitement and meditation of a very long run are universal. Despite our unplanned bivy on night one, morale quickly rebounded as we settled into the rhythm of the trail. Gradual topography made the mountains impressively runnable, while the cumulative vegetation, cold rain, miles-wide lake crossings in between made them feel huge. Everything was saturated, the air, the ground, before long our socks and clothes. We were constantly in and out of our packs, taking mental notes of what worked well and what didn't. We coasted across rolling valleys and then worked our way up into low clouds. Down below, water crawled across the tundra like an inland fjord, blue-gray veins against green and burnt orange skin. This was truly the middle of nowhere. By our third day on trail, we'd fallen into a groove. Our systems were dialed and our bodies had finally caught up with the mileage, so the route flowed by smoothly. Each day boiled down to a simple routine. Wake up, eat, clean the dishes, run, boat, run, sauna, sleep, repeat. Everything seemed fluid. I used to think you could only find that feeling on week-long through hikes. I thought the only way to run multi-day was to rush past the scenery, robbing you of the experience and joy. In some ways, I built this pack hoping to prove myself wrong, hoping to strip away just enough stuff to attain the freedom of running, but without pushing myself to misery or bonk. In doing so, I found a beautiful sweet spot between moving quickly and having all the time in the world. I think of R&D projects like photographs. Every time I make a piece of gear or clothing for a trip, I'm capturing a moment in time. For me, this pack captures that moment on the King's Trail when reality fades and the flow state kicks in. Whether you're running or hiking it, it doesn't matter. It's about feeling free on a long trail, moving efficiently, finding rhythm and ease. We don't get too many endings in R&D because we're creating concepts instead of products. You can always make something better, refine, always do it again. Sometimes the things we make never even wind up in the real world. In that sense, our last day on the Kungsleden was beautiful and satisfying. We charged through the final few miles, energized from our time on trail and eager to get back to civilization. We arrived at the trail's end, the small town of Abisko. It felt nice to finish something. I soaked it all in while my mind quietly wandered toward the next big project, ready to start all over again. At Patagonia, we cover stories that range from the detailed gear needed for alpine climbing to the fight for a sacred indigenous land, to the experience of being inside an athlete's head. Sure, we're a company that makes gear for getting outside, but we're also a company that cares about the future of planet Earth. The stories we share here will hopefully inspire you to do the same, or just to make some time to go outside. See you next time for more stories to get you out there.